0: So, I was talking to our Maureen the other day, and you will never guess what she overheard when she was having a browse done. Apparently, according to Maureen, haley you know Haley, horse gob teeth all over the place like they're in a race to get out of a mouth. Yeah, that one. Anyway, according to Maureen, Haley was saying there's this is new podcast. Well, my ears pricked right up because I love a good podcast. Anyway, this one's all about culture, and at first I thought, culture? I can't see that catching on around here. Not in Todmorden. But apparently, it's not all up its own ass, A hoity toity at all. They talk about what's been going on recently, like what they've been watching and stuff, and there's a quiz that's meant to be a right laugh, mainly because they both fucking shit at it. And then they normally pick something to talk about in a bit more detail for the second half. Sounds alright, doesn't it? I might give it a listen when I finish reading this week's Take a Break. It's right good. Some silly cat reckons she's got a psychic dog. Oh, and apparently there's some stupid theme tune as well.
1: Well, I suppose at least the intro was
0: usable this week. That
1: was much better.
0: Yeah, and and it's good to hear that the the word is getting out there and, and well, people apparently. hearing about apparently. us. So so thank
1: God for gossipy neighbours. Yeah, who knew?
0: Uh, Horse gob Haley chatting away down the uh, down the
1: salon. So we're going to spare you all this week. There's not an interview, and that's not through lack of trying. Uh, purely because nobody's returning our emails for some reason.
0: I can't imagine why. I don't, no. really don't know.
1: Something about public image, I think, and they don't want it shafted. Well. So what we thought we'd do is dive straight into our fan favourite. We'll just jump into a quiz.
0: Yeah. Okay. I am ready.
1: It's Dan versus Mark. It's Dan vs Mark. You ready for your quiz?
0: Quiz me hard.
1: Ooh, quiz in my face. Uh, right, we're doing uh, taglines again.
0: <laughs> Got quiz all over the place.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. Taglines again. Yes. A great effort last week from brothers. Um, oh, it was phenomenal. <laughs> I still Top scores messed. all round. It reminded me of the first quiz we did, and it was just embarrassing. But at least you were joining me on the embarrassment this time. Oh god, yeah, yeah. So, would you like the first one?
0: Okay, yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. Right. Always bet on dead.
1: Oh, huh. oh dear. I keep looking at mine when you say yours. And I and I keep going, but that's not that. And that's weird. That's weird, isn't it? Right. Always bet on dead. I I can't ask for a clue on
0: number one. Wouldn't you could if you wanted.
1: I'll have an. I'll have a. I'll have a, a clue, please. But you know, don't give it away.
0: Um. Where would you place a bet?
1: You would place a bet at at a casino. Mm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it is
0: casino. Uh no. It isn't.
1: No, but I not. I can't remember any casino-based films where there's moida That's just not. Yeah, not in my wheelhouse.
0: Oh, do you give in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Army of the Dead. Oh, off.
1: I've seen it. I've seen it in everything.
0: <laughs> you know that one with all the dead zombies and 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 the casinos. The Zack Snyder. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Oh, f- all the dead s- people in casinos.
1: Dart right. I, yours are going to be really easy this week, I think. <laughs> That's the problem with it being on Netflix. You don't see the posters out and about. That's
0: true. That is true, actually, to be fair.
1: Anyway, here's your first one for episode six. Go on. The body count continues.
0: Okay, so this has got to be a sequel. Is it... Is it one of the Halloween sequels? No. Is it one of the Saw sequels? No. Give us a clue.
1: You're in the right genre.
0: Friday the 13th?
1: Maybe. Uh, Maybe give it the correct title. Part 4. No, it's Friday the 13th Part 2.
0: Okay. Can I have that? Oh, thank
1: you very much. Well, generous. yeah. With a bit of bit of nudging.
0: Okay. All you need is one killer track.
1: Oh, it's something to do with music and murder.
0: Not necessarily, but it's definitely killer, music.
1: Killer, killer track, killer track. Got American Psycho in my head because he murders... And he's big into his music, isn't he?
0: Is that your answer?
1: Only because I don't know what else it could be without a clue, and I don't have five clues.
0: <laughs> Do did you... Did you can I, I could give you one clue if you wanted. <laughs> Go on. It's not American Psycho.
1: Thanks, that's really helpful. <laughs> uh, one killer track. It's not going to come to me. It's not singing out to me straight away.
0: Baby Driver.
1: Great. Absolutely Great. Uh, moving on mm-hmm. how fast do you like it that's a, qu- that's a tagline by the way not a personal question Mark. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that
0: out there How um, it's not one of the Fast and the Furious films because I don't think they've got anything like that um, God is it an, an 80s film no no Okay, go and give us a clue.
1: It's part of a franchise. Of course. My, my my clues aren't going to be particularly helpful now because I'm flagging behind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, How fast do you like it? Is it one of the Fast and Furious films? I can't say, that's giving it away.
1: Either commit or we'll move I on. I pass. Too fast, too furious.
0: Oh, for so it's not one of the Fast and Furious films then, because that one doesn't count. It's I couldn't, I shit. couldn't
1: say, yeah, it is, yeah, it is, because that's just not fair. It's a piece
0: of shit. That film. anyway, okay. Sit back, relax, enjoy the fright.
1: Oh dear, oh dear. It's a horror film. Kind of. Got Fright Night in my head. No. Just because of the fright in the title. Oh, okay. Mm. Sit back, enjoy the fright. Gremlins.
0: No. Not a clue. Snakes on the Plane.
1: Oh Christ alive. One, I dislike snakes intensely. <laughs> so and I have seen it, but I would have, that was the title. Okay. I okay. thought it would have been Sam Jackson's in this film and he's had it with these mother flipping snakes on this mother flipping plane. <laughs> right, okay, number three. Oh Christ. The
0: journey continues. Oh is that Lord of the Rings? The the Two Towers?
1: Yes, come on, let's have number. Yes. Oh, I'm having flashbacks to the first one we ever did.
0: (laughs) Well, don't worry, because I'm not doing that well, although I'm doing better than you. Thank you. Okay, right. It begins.
1: Oh, is this a trick one? Oh, is it simply It's chapter one?
0: No. Bollocks. Do you want to have another Uh, go? I'll I'll have a clue, please. Well, it begins would suggest... That it's the first part of a multiple part
1: thing, but it's the what is the it that it's beginning? Mm, indeed. I mean, I got the. It's I got a recent.
0: That, it's a recent film.
1: Okay, I got it right that it was the first part because it, it chapter one. Yeah. So you
0: you kind of your logic is there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But it's the what is beginning now? Can I? Okay. What I will ask is, did it come after? Sorry, yes, is it the first part that came after, like, Star Wars Episode 1? So there was already a sequel out there and it became a prequel?
0: Oh, no. No, no, no. Okay, so it was done properly,
1: 1, 2, and 3, or whatever.
0: Uh, not yet. Mm. So far, there's only this one.
1: It's that recent?
0: Yeah. It begins. Dune? yeah
1: oh, I' love that thank you very much Yay <laughs> i'm upset you haven't haven't found my uh three out of the three out of my five have a theme we'll come to that at the end oh okay okay is your number four mm-hmm. don't breathe don't look back don't breathe don't look back oh
0: mm this one, but I need a clue. Uh,
1: Big Universal Pictures action film of the 90s. Yeah. yeah.
0: (sighs) Don't breathe, don't look back. Is it part of a franchise? No, no. Okay, it's a disaster movie. Sort of. Well, yes. So, something like Universal. Um, but it's not a franchise film, it's a standalone film. Correct. What disaster movies did Universal make? Um,
1: <laughs> All of them at one point.
0: Well, if yeah. is it uh, from the 90s? Yes. Go on. No, go on.
1: You pass? Yeah. If I said Bill Paxton... Twister. Yeah, Twister.
0: Do you know, and, and this is going to sound really pedantic, right? And it's no excuse <laughs> for not knowing. Sounds like it, but you go on. Well, because that was a Universal and Warner Brothers I'll give them co-production. Them. Okay, and think, okay. And I think, I think if I remember, in the... St- The the DVD I had of that was the Warner Brothers DVD, not the Universal DVD. Internationally, it was released by Universal.
1: Oh, there we go. So it's fine.
0: In in the states, it was Warner Brothers. So So I had the I had the US DVD. So that's why I've always I've always thought of it as a Warner Brothers film. But cool. Okay, good one. That was a good one. Um, Is it the last one for me now? Indeed, you do. Prepare for glory.
1: Uh, Is it a comedy? No. Oh shit! (laughs) Scrap off. Balls of Fury, Blades of Glory. Um, (laughs) Is it? Cover genre, please.
0: Um, I'd say primarily action, comic book film as well. Actually, interesting about it. Comic book adaptation, action, slight historical, but wouldn't say accurate.
1: Ah, thinking V for Vendetta.
0: Okay, no, not that. Ah, uh, I thought I had it then.
1: I'm gonna to have to pass. My brain's just not there, as you can tell. Three hundred. Nah, n- would no. I should have asked for director. Mm. This is Sparta. but you didn't. No, I didn't. I know. Regrets, regrets. <laughs> Go on in. Here's your last one. Go on. <laughs> so I should have led with this one. Ah, uh, you might get this. Why did I choose this one? Okay. The Star Wars saga continues.
0: Empire Strikes Back.
1: Bugger, yeah, handed you that one.
0: <laughs> Did you? Could you tell my theme? Um. Go through them again. What we all. Body again? count
1: continues.
0: The journey continues. Oh God, right. The Star okay.
1: Wars saga continues. <laughs> I, like, I could get God, five that... with continues, but it, some of them were just so obvious. Well, that's like almost as
0: bad as uh, including Die Hard every week. I know. Because... I'm, glad, I'm
1: glad you got that out of your system. <laughs> so I, I think I had zero in that. Uh, no, you got you got June. Oh, I got okay, okay. So I got you one. Got, that's not got bad. June, yeah. I can give you here a
0: solid Two. three out of five. Oh, three. Okay. Fair enough. Give cool. you
1: Friday 13, 13th, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and Empire Strikes Back. Fantastic. Good okay.
0: effort. Okay. So, that's the quiz done. We do need, of course, to fit in our other regular feature, which is, <laughs> has Dan seen Die Hard yet? So, uh, I'm bracing myself here for shock revelations. Dan, have you seen Die Hard yet?
1: Well, it's actually really funny you should see, say that, because... As Um, I turned on Disney Plus yesterday to watch Hawkeye. Oh, yes. And there's a big banner saying the Die Hard collection on Disney Plus. Yeah. Mark, ask me again.
0: Have you seen Die Hard yet?
1: No. Shit. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to build that up so much, I feel it works. You sounded so excited. (laughs) No, I still haven't. (sighs) <sighs> uh, right, we are, we'll, move, we
0: we'll move on. I think we're going to skip our kind of weekly catch-up and, and round-up of things we've been listening to and watching, um, because I don't think there's much either of us have been doing. No. Um, what with work and other commitments, it's all been a bit hectic this week. Um, so we'll move straight into... It's time for
1: Topic or Topics of the Week. This week... This is perfect for Mark. We're going to talk about the good old days. A bit How of, dare you. A bit of no- I, I'm just saying you've got far more good old days to talk about than myself. Uh, but uh, let's talk nostalgia. Mm.
0: It's not about- what it used to be.
1: It isn't. No, no. And it gets harder with time. It's mm. thing about history. But the thing is, we talk about a lot of what's coming up and what's new and exciting. But let's dip into the past. So jump into our TARDIS, our DeLorean. Let- and let's go back in time.
0: Let's, let's. Okay so i think yeah i think there's kind of a a bit of a common thread through some of the things we've spoken about before so so recently for example we were talking about fandom and the kind of toxic side of that and the kind of really anal and 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 picky side that some fans have and there's a a bit of a link there i think to, to some of them who are very much nostalgic so, while, well, you know, you're talking about the new Doctor Who, for example, or the new Ghostbusters, a lot of the negativities towards these new interpretations comes from a nostalgia. You know, you grew up during a certain era and you had those those kind of films and TV shows that you grew up with. And that's kind of what your benchmark is. I yeah, guess, I, I for, understand for that. Yeah. Culture and entertainment going forwards. So let's and take... So, Let's take Go Doctor on. Who
1: as an example. Yeah. So, my era of Doctor Who started with Christopher Eccleston. Right. So, what's that, 2005?
0: Something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, mid-2000s. Yeah.
1: And I'm not entirely certain when it stopped prior
0: to that. It was late 80s. I think the last one was around 88, 89. And I that think. would have been... That was, well, actually there was... Some, the last this film doctor which is McGann. Yeah, so, th- so there was the series which ended, I think, around 89 and that was Sylvester McCoy.
1: Okay, I was completely wrong. That's cool.
0: So then a couple of years after that, there was the one-off TV movie, which was Sylvester McCoy becoming uh, Paul McGann. Mm-hmm. And then obviously that didn't do whatever they hoped it would do. Uh, and then it was off the air for a good yeah, was, well, I guess 15 years or so before it was brought back with Christopher Ecclesgate.
1: And and uh, Russell T. Davis. So Yes. Indeed, yeah. Just wanted to throw that in there because he's coming back after Jojo Whittaker's departure end of next
0: year, I think? Uh, I think so, yeah. I they think she's it.
1: got a special now and then she's got a Christmas special or a New Year special 22.
0: They've got the they've got the the New Year special coming up now. I think there's a special in the spring, and then there's a feature length 60th anniversary special ah. later in the year, and that'll be the end of her and Chris Chibnall, as the, he's the sh- current showrunner.
1: Okay. <laughs> I can't believe it's um, been ten years since the fiftieth episode, fiftieth anniversary. To be quite honest I with you, oh know, right, that's, that's it's, flown, it's flown really. It Really. Is, anyway, yeah, yeah. tangenting, we're very good at that. So we are, we are. My era of Doctor Who was Eccleston, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though it hasn't really uh, stopped since two thousand five or so, mm-hmm. I still feel that level of nostalgia. We up up until Matt Smith. Mm. So he was the third new Doctor, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. I think after that, when Capaldi took over. Mm. I struggled with it. Now, I don't know if that's just because I thought I was a bit older. This wasn't really for me anymore. Mm. But the Eccleson years and the David Tennant years was just phenomenal in terms of what it, the show did. Yeah. And I just stopped. I, it sounds like I just stopped caring for it. Mm. You know. Mm. Mm. But I, I imagine this is going to go a bit, bit before my time, and you're you're going to go back even
0: further back. Well. To be to be perfectly honest, I historically when I was younger, I was never what I would call a, a massive Doctor Who fan, right? I was obviously aware of it and I would watch it. I think I kind of just caught the tail end of Tom Baker's Doctor. Um I remember <clears throat> I do remember seeing the episode where he regenerated into the Peter Davison version and I kind of dipped in and out of that. Colin Baker dipped in and out of that. But I'd say that the times when I did really watch it was the Sylvester McCoy version. So I guess in that sense, he's quote unquote my Doctor. Um, I really enjoyed the TV movie in terms of what Paul McGann did in his performance, um, but obviously as as a as a, as an episode or, or Doctor Who film, it wasn't that good. And I think. That's where it's often been let down. That the performances have far outgunned the scripts.
1: Yeah, that's fair to it's, say. Because I think I think it's from a, a broad opinion that that's where Whitaker has fallen flat. She's a fantastic actress. Yeah, but I feel yeah. that the scripts have <clears throat> not been allowing her really to shine. But
0: and I would say the same with Peter Capaldi as well. He's fant- he's a fantastic actor. He he's very acted- good and he was brilliant as the Doctor. But but the scripts, it was just let down by the scripts. Um, and, and yeah, Jodie Whittaker as well has, has had the same issue. Um, one of the things I have kind of did really like, what what the new Doctor, or the, the Russell T. Davis version Saga, onwards yeah, yeah. has tried to do, is what I love in, in TV shows are ones that build a mythology. Or explore a mythology, right? So this, where, where they've come in, you know, like the fiftieth anniversary edition was obviously, yeah, yeah, they had the, they had Tennant and Smith, and then introduced John Hurt as this missing war doctor, right? So all of a sudden, it expanded the, this this element, this this previously unknown version, and then it kind of goes on to explore, you know, the Doctor, and and you see the kind of the all of the doctors appear at the same time at the climax and all that kind of thing. And then with the Jodie Whittaker version, they had this, I think they called her the Fugitive Doctor. Yep, yep, yep. Which was another female version, which again, it just kind of, I love stuff that kind of builds the world out a little bit more. Um, and yet, those kind of things were bits that maybe some of the more traditional fans or fans of the older versions would take against because. You know, they say, well, this contradicts what was said in the 1972 episode three of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, on the one hand, I think,
1: get a grip a little <laughs> bit. <laughs>
0: because, you know, tell, tell me any, any. I don't think there has been a sci-fi or any kind of, maybe some of the soaps, but I don't think there will be many shows that have been running for that long that haven't had some form of contradiction at some point.
1: No, you know, you, you, you're quite right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about time travel. They're going to tie themselves in knots of course. if they really want to stay that continuity clear. Yeah. But, you know, it's it does keep getting brought back. It is loved the world over. It's a massive yeah, following in the US. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think it's it's glory days, I'd like to call mm. it. Mm. You know, arguably in the last decade, it was. Um, even them, those are glory yeah. days. But I, th- I do think it dipped... After Capaldi, uh, Capaldi's time, it dipped. Yeah. So yeah, they they it back, they rebooted it. It did well, and then it's dipped mm. since. Mm. I mean,
0: you know, I'm interested to see Russell T. Davis, as you say, is coming back. Um, the production is now going to be done by Bad Wolf rather th- rather than the BBC. Uh, Bad Wolf was set up by people who worked on the Russell T. on the first version of the Russell T. Davis incarnation. So they are, I think, it's, well, it's Bad Wolf. It's named after one of the Story points of his version, isn't it as well?
1: Yeah, you're but not wrong. You're not wrong.
0: Yeah, so it's clearly a group of people who know the show, who brought it back successfully the first time round, and at the point now where it, you can argue it needs a bit of a kick up the arse. Certainly, be you know, behind the scenes, um, as I say, cast, casting wise, I think it's always been pretty spot on, but certainly behind the scenes, it needs a bit of a kick. What I think is interesting with Doctor Who now is that there's almost kind of two nostalgia benchmarks, right? There's the original original that started in the sixties with William Hartnell and everyone's got their doctor that they grew up with. And it's kind of charming for its kind of shonkiness in in the DIY aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So there's that there's the nostalgia that some people have for that. And then there's the nostalgia that some people have for the more recent incarnation
1: I'd agree who, with that because i'm I'm in that bucket,
0: yeah, I have no particular nostalgia for the old version, apart from, as I say, preferring the Sylvester McCoy ones the when I really started watching it was with the Russell T. Davis version, and so you've got those those two you know camps, I guess, Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are in both and like both equally, but th- I think there's probably, if you ask, if you'd, you were know, to do a survey, I think you'd, you'd probably find a, a fairly definite split between people who are nostalgic for the original and who are nostalgic for the more recent version. And when Russell T. Davis was announced that he was coming back, you know, joy in the streets, you know, partying and, and jumping up and down kind of thing. <laughs> oh. um, and I don't think... You could say there's many shows that have that two a nostalgia for two different so clearly defined no I, I eras. Th- you're
1: quite right I mean yeah it's something that's been running for well funnily enough sixty years but um so yeah I I can understand why there's um there is that joy in you know both camps yeah however with a good nostalgia comes bad nostalgia yep Ghostbusters yeah, and yeah. I'll bring in the Paul Feig version, but also the the third in the in the saga of the Ghostbusters films that's just come out. Yeah, and I the reason I put that in there is because yes, there's going to be some diehard fans of the 1980s classics that are going to hate it.
0: Yeah, and you've still not seen that, have you? No, no, still not yet. Okay,
1: so I, I, I don't want to give anything away, but I can I can tell that there's going to be people that don't like it for a certain reason. And I look forward to exploring that, actually, once you yeah. have seen it.
0: Yeah. I, I think sometimes, you know, you can't do the right thing because the the Paul Feig version in 2016 decided to, other than very kind of remotely, kind of not touch the first two films, right? It was its own thing. Separate characters, separate storyline, no... Continuation to speak of, right? You could go into that film having, having never, never seen it, having never exactly. seen it, yeah. And you didn't need to see this originals or anything like that. And he got slated, and, and you know, I've said before on here that I quite like it for what it is great cast, it's funny, etc., etc., and that's fine. But he got slated for that because it's like for various reasons, right? Which we have or, covered in
1: a previous episode,
0: which we have, or you go down the route of playing on the nostalgia and using it and and having like absolutely unquestioning links to the original and as much as it got generally great reviews and it's done pretty well at the box office there is still a group of people who, who hate it because of what they see, as I don't know, do they see it as cheaply trading on that nostalgia? Do they see it as kind of emotional manipulation, or what? You know, but but sometimes you just you'll never win with 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 some no things like but this. It's
1: like I said before that fa- fan fans and mm. the culture of fans and the community of fans can be the best and worst thing for a franchise. Mm. Mm. There's another example that's just come to mind actually when we were talking about this and. It's it's nostalgic for the fact that it was something that was done yonks ago, but mm-hmm. it's come on to be... Well, it was number one film um, ever at one point. That's the Jurassic World saga. Yeah. You know, that tugs at nostalgia of it being a sequel, a direct mm. sequel trilogy to the original three films. Uh, mm-hmm. They definitely made three, didn't they? They did, yeah. They did, yes. I tried to forget the third, but the point is they made uh, three. The
0: uh, third one's better than the second one.
1: Uh, good job we don't live anywhere near each other. <laughs> A brick your house. But yes, I don't know. I'm a massive Jurassic Park fan. Mm. You know, it was one of the first sort of like grown up yet still you're okay to watch it as a kid film. Yeah. And the thing that sold it to me when I was a kid that, you know, they were dinosaurs was the fact that it was practical effects. Yeah. And okay, some of the C G in that still stands up now. But you look at the the Jurassic World trilogy, Soon to Be trilogy, mm. and they've oversaturated it with CG. The third mm. one, Jurassic World Dominion, might put that to rest.
0: Yeah, yeah, but the
1: first one and the second one, I remember being quite CG heavy, even though they introduce animatronics.
0: Yeah, I think with the, I think that when you've got stuff like that, where you're trying to kind of, it's, where it's been a few years since the since the last film, you're not remaking it, you're not rebooting it, but you're trying to continue the story. There's a certain amount of box ticking that has to go on, um, and I think that was really it's evident in in, in in Jurassic World you know you've got the obviously the back on the original island they, there's there's sequences where they go back to the original Jurassic Park buildings that have been abandoned and all <laughs> yeah, that kind of yeah. thing, you know and the, the old jeeps and whatnot are there, which on the one hand is like oh like again it's like building that world out, isn't it? It's like oh, that, it's all that. Remember this, there. remember that, remember that. It's all it, been it's all been abandoned, but it's yeah, you're right. Like,
1: it's, like a, it's a Peter Case skit, isn't it? Remember the eighties, garlic, yeah, yeah. garlic
0: bread, garlic bread. We talked about that in the past, but it's the same exactly. sort of thing. Yeah, but it brings it kind of sets. There's enough there that if. You've literally just landed on this planet and never seen the originals. There's enough there to explain what's happened, and you can what pick and, it up and still up. enjoy yourself. But obviously, if you're a fan, you oh, oh, it's that building from there, and it's the jeep from there, and all that kind of thing. And and I think sometimes that it works, and it sometimes it doesn't. But I think it's to a degree it's necessary. I think one of the films where it was really obvious was The Force Awakens, okay, right? because that it had been. Obviously, they wanted to carry on from the story from Return of the Jedi. But then, in between that, you'd have the the prequel trilogy, which is pretty awful, all told, right? Oh my God. But the. Well, it is. They want to bring people back in. So it's like, okay, what do we need to do? We need. Okay, Chewbacca, tick. Millennium Falcon, tick. Han Solo, tick. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, okay. I get it, the, I get it. They're the bringing these kind of, oh, bad guy who wears black, tick.
1: <laughs> Has an affiliation for
0: masks. Exactly, right. Cute little robot, makes bleeps and bloops, tick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, whereas what I, and again, we've spoken briefly about this, what I really like about The Last Jedi is it doesn't try to do that. It, it is, is its own ticket. film, isn't it? Like it's yeah. It's, it is absolutely its own film. It's got okay. We, we've set everything up. Here are our characters, the new characters and the old. Now let's go and actually tell a new story.
1: And then completely forget about it when the trilogy comes to a close.
0: Well, that was that's J.J. Abrams coming in and uh, uh, replacing Colin Trevorrow and. Really, not having a fucking clue how to close it because he never planned to close it originally. <laughs> um, not,
1: that you, not that you're bitter or anything, but oh yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it.
0: I think, I think the the rise of Skywalker is a terrible. I just, thing.
1: I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how I can work with you anymore.
0: There are good things in it, right? And and I'll tell you what. I think one of my favourite characters in the whole saga is Palpatine. Well, yeah, of course right? he is and when I when, when the, kind of the news was there that he was coming back I was like this this could be spectacular and I was like this, this could be really good if they can figure out a good logical way there's, the problem. there's, there's the, the problem and I agree with you it's a clone somehow and it's literally explained in one line by Oscar Isaac and it's somehow Palpatine has returned
1: great moving on
0: and that's it that is it and it's taken them like the two or whatever years since then to gradually via like the Star Wars website and other books and spin-offs fill in the gap yeah sure the gap of like how he actually returned. Oh, it turns out Snoke was a failed clone, or whatever it might be. And it's like, that's, that's shit storytelling <laughs> on behalf of J.J. Abrams. I used to love J.J. Abrams.
1: We're tangenting again, Mark. I'm going to bring you back to this. Are, something sorry. I... We are,
0: sorry. Let's reel it back. Let's re- but anyway, right. So what I was going to try and bring it back to
1: after your ramble about why Rise of Skywalker is the best one in the trilogy... Uh, um... Uh, oh, I got away with that, fair enough. Um was practical effects, so I brought up Jurassic World. Mm. Now, mm. to me, I get a good sense of nostalgia looking at older films that rely heavily on practical effects and get it right. And what always yeah. amazes me is back in those days, they put a lot of effort into it, and it couldn't have been cheap to make that decision. Because, you know, an effects-driven films is always going to up a budget. And one example, yeah. or, well, the examples that come to mind um, of recent years is obviously John Carpenter's The Thing, which yeah. wouldn't have been possible without special effects, and practical effects, I should say. And yeah. then the remaking, the year that I can't remember, but...
0: It's like 2010. Something, something like, like that.
1: that now, yeah. that was a film that was shot on set with practical effects, and yep. then drawn over with bad CG. Yeah. Now, yeah. I know why filmmakers choose to, to use CG, because it's probably cheaper but when it's done mm. wrong, it's uh, just well, it, it ruined the film.
0: Yeah, and you know, like you say, it's not as e- it's not even as if the practical effects were bad. If you look at the behind the scenes footage, I'm chuffed you've seen that, that because that. this
1: point was reliant on you actually seeing that because a colleague told me about it <laughs> years ago.
0: Yeah. No, if you look at the behind-the-scenes footage on, on the... Th- well, it's not a remake, is it? It's a prequel.
1: I, again, I didn't want to tell people that. But,
0: but anyway. But but the point still stands. It's a valid point. You look at the effects on the behind-the-scenes footage, and they are on a par with the stuff in the original. And when you look at who did them, it was Al- Amalgamated Dynamics Incorporated who, who did the effects on, on the thing's prequel. That's Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff, who are from... They came out of the Stan Winston studio. They then set up their own effects company, ADI. They worked on they worked on Aliens under Stan Winston. They did Alien 3 and, as their own company, Alien vs. Predator. Um, they've done a ton of stuff. They know what they're doing, right? And those practical effects are spot on. And yeah, and I don't even think it was the director's choice, you know, because the director was talking, well, certainly early on when the production was announced, uh, he was say, "No, we're going to stick to practical effects," and, and I think his story slightly changed over time. But I remember you, you can see the footage on YouTube. There's footage of 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 Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff at, at the premiere on the red carpet, talking about you know how hard they'd worked on the effects and etc. And and I remember watching that footage and thinking, "You're being interviewed here on the red carpet," and I fuck. I can guarantee you've not seen the final version because
1: you're about to be incredibly disappointed.
0: Yeah, because if if you had, you would not be talking about your no. effects in such a passion. Must be quite way. insulting like, to the, them as a team. Yeah, absolutely, I can't imagine how it must have felt to go. And it's not that the CGI effects are bad in that film. There's a few that are actually quite effective in the kind of body horror sense of of the yeah, original yeah, yeah, yeah. film, but. you know it's a cliche but it's true it's this you can't be a real physical object in front of a camera you can just tell i mean maybe if they did it now in you know the 10 years since it would be better and it would look more like the practical effects but i just can't imagine that what was filmed on set in front of the camera wasn't good enough Quite right. For the final Quite version right. of the film. Especially especially when it were those guys doing it with their budget that they must have yeah. had yeah. to do it.
1: Well, that then segues into um, reboots and remakes not being as good as the originals, regardless if that's yeah. a continuation of the story or completely rebooting and starting again. Uh, we've had good yeah. examples of that with um, Halloween 2018. Reboot yeah. slash sequel yeah. of the original.
0: yeah. And again, it, it, part of that is fueled by a nostalgia thing, isn't it? Of course, it, it is. When, when it's done well, normally everyone's happy, right? When it's done badly, everyone agrees it's bad. When it does something maybe different, you tend to get a bit more of a split, right? So, like, speaking of one, for example, Man of Steel, okay? I think that's probably my favourite Superman film. I think Henry Cavill's great. I'm a fan of Zack Snyder in general. But I think it. Does some, that film and Batman v Superman, I think, do something to kind of explore in a quote-unquote realistic way what it would mean if a super-powered being was on this planet, like, and who could, like in in Batman v Superman, you know, he could wipe us all out in a with a single thought. With a sneeze. Who, who's there to police that? You know. Where, where's, how do we govern that kind of power? And I thought those two films, particularly, did a really good job of exploring that. Now, to some, they were ponderous and two up their own arse, and, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that that's a reboot that I felt tried to come at the character or characters with a bit of a, a new angle, maybe something that hadn't really been done before. Because the, the Christopher Reeve Superman films... You know, faithful to the comics, and and you know, obviously, fa- you know, good, great films, most of them, two of them, Um but they didn't really, they weren't what you would necessarily call deep and looking into the cut
1: character. and paste of what was worked previously. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: And then you look at something like Batman, which gets rebooted every few oh, years. Hell. But again. It's a bit like the Doctor, isn't it? Everyone's got their Batman. But that kind of... Interesting side point to that.
1: Yeah. My Batman isn't even my generation's Batman. I just think he was the best. So my generation's Batman's um, the one... What's his name?
0: (laughs) This is good. Uh, (laughs) You like him that much? ah,
1: He's Nolan's. What's his name?
0: Oh, uh, oh Christ. Ah! Christopher. Bale. He couldn't even
1: do it. Yeah, Christopher Christopher Bale. (laughs) Christian Bale. Bale, Christopher Biggins. Ah, oh, could you imagine Biggins as the as Batman? <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway,
0: all right, let's start that one again.
1: So my Batman isn't even my generation's Batman. My generation's Batman is Christian Bale, but mm. I come at it from a logical point of view, and I still think that Keaton was the best Batman.
0: I would agree,
1: but there's a but um, there. I can feel it.
0: No, I I think he still is. I think he still is. But I think Ben Affleck is a very, very close second for and again this is more to do with how the reboots have handled the character. For that version of Batman, Ben Affleck is great. Ben Affleck would not have worked in the Tim Burton movie, of right? Of course
1: not. It's too camp.
0: And Mike Exactly, right. But I think for for his Version for the version of Batman that Zack Snyder wanted, I think Ben Affleck's perfect. I think I think he's physically, imposing, on. he's older, he's you know what I mean. I'm quite
1: looking forward to seeing Bat Pat, I really am.
0: I am as well, actually. And, and I, 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 I was kind of a bit meh at first, but seeing hey, the trailers, I'm sold on, I'm on it so sold. far, absolutely. But no, yeah, that's, no, that's that's an interesting
1: but, point because again, there's going to be people who grew up with the Tim Burton films and those yeah. originals and then. Obviously, the really dark trilogy that Nolan did, which is still phenomenal, because it was just groundbreaking for what it was.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And
1: then it's been rebooted since, not standalone, but yeah, there's there's always a Batman every couple of years.
0: Yeah, and what'll be interesting, maybe, not wishing to generalise, but what you might get, this with the Robert Pattinson version, is those kids, I guess... Well, again, not to generalise, but mainly girls who maybe grew up with the Twilight films.
1: Would go and see it out of ba- ordinarily. Bat- yeah. No, I I think that's yeah, fair. To ordinarily say.
0: wouldn't wouldn't care about a Batman film. This could be their Batman because of that link. And they, they'll see it when they might never have bothered seeing it. Well a didn't Batman that
1: happen film. with the um Zac Efron film about Ted Bundy? I'm 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 sure I read some something <laughs> you, about that.
0: Can you imagine? Can you imagine the discipline? Oh,
1: High School Musical's taken a bit of a dark turn.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But but yeah, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Um, it probably, you're probably right. But I think it's yeah. So you get these kind of a different filmmaker will come in and kind of put their own stamp on it, and they'll have an idea of of how they want to handle the character. And obviously, Snyder took his inspiration from. The Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller book, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which obviously has a kind of a, a bit of a, a, a bust up between b- between Superman and Batman in that, um, and and Matt Reeves is here taking his cues from Batman Year One, you know, um, early stages Batman, just just recently starting out on his crusade, and I think they work. A character like that works because. You know, it's been going for now what 80 years, something like that.
1: I don't, I can't remember Mark.
0: And yeah, well, I I remember when it launched in 1939. <laughs> well, I were a boy and an hour lad. When so that throughout the decades there have been those different iterations. You know, you had you had the, the 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 Frank Miller version in the 80s and 90s, and you've you had you know mm, what I mean. Yeah, so there's. Yeah. There's different eras in terms of the comic book for filmmakers to dip into um, when they want to do the screen version, and then, then then you get kind of other remakes where you kind of just want like, why bother? So you get stuff like so a few years ago, G- Gus Van Sant did a remake of Psycho. Is that
1: with Vince Vaughn?
0: Vince Vaughn, yes, and, and Hesch. yes, right, and. <sighs> it's it's like right i do not have a problem with reboots and remakes and sequels and all that right i will judge the film on on just whether it's a good film sure or not, okay that's my first thing did i have fun whether it's necessary or not whether it whether it links to the original or whatever did i enjoy it that's my first thing but with this one i was literally cuz it was like it was a shot for shot remake there was literally nothing different about it, apart from the cast and the fact it was in colour. <laughs> and it's like, honestly, why bother? Remake a film... I think, I think the criteria for remaking or rebooting a film or a, or a franchise should either be one, because the original was just not a good film, but it had something in it that is worth looking re-exploring, at it exploring yeah re-exploring right there was something there that is could be done better or you want to do something differently you've got a, a bit and we'll come on to, to an example of that one but you want to do something that there's there's nothing wrong with the original the original could be a classic but you want to do something a bit different with it but the psycho one a shot for shot remake just it, it was just like, literally, my bother? It was just like, for for the sake of it. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. But that that one irritated me, to be honest. So I tell you something that irritates me
1: because it's not just that mm. films get shot-for-shot remake. Um, yeah. One that comes to mind quickly was um, the American IT Crowd, and yes. a bit of continuity there was Richard Ioadi reprises role as Moss. The yes. guy from Community played Roy.
0: Was that Joel McHale? That
1: sounds right. Yeah, uh, I don't know who played Jen because I didn't watch it. Because apparently it was no. rubbish. But it was the same yeah. script. Now, another TV yeah. show which was massively popular over here went, tried to take it to America. Peep Show. With yeah. Johnny Galecki. Uh, yeah. Can't remember the other person. But it dropped what made the UK Peep Show so clever which was the point of view camera.
0: Yeah, why... What? Yeah. But
1: that's not the one that annoys me the most. The one that irks me the most, because I think if you went to school in the UK, you went through most of the phases that these four lads sadly went through, yeah. and that's the in-betweeners. Yes. Now, I remember getting really excited to think the in-betweeners US was coming out, thinking, oh, it's going to be like American Pie, it's going to be that kind of horribly... Yeah. horribly dirty, I suppose, but funny slapstick, teen comedy. Yeah. No, British script with American accents and even, like, the swearing doesn't translate. Right? No, like, in no. the British one, the swearing's such a big part because as Brits we swear quite a lot. In America, I think it's quite quite dirty to swear.
0: It is, whereas Britain it's almost like poetry. <laughs> you want to call it that, Mark Fee, there, but... there is a poetic element to um, the English or the British accent calling someone a wanker yeah but
1: the american one i just i just remember it being exactly the same even to the the degree of when they went to a theme park it what they went one they went to universal studios orlando which i was like oh this is great but even that couldn't save it and there's just certain things like been trying to get underage alcohol in this country you, you you do it up until you're eighteen in America, it's twenty-one. So even if they're eighteen, there's still a number of years off trying getting served legally. It just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, that's the one that really got my dander right up. Yeah. And it got cancelled somehow.
0: Well, <laughs> well, the last thing we want is, is Dan's dander up, isn't it? Nobody needs um,
1: it. I don't need it. Trust <laughs> me. Nobody wants but it. I think
0: I'll, I'll I'll take you in between us, but I'll, I think. In response, I'll, I'll give you one example, I think, where they did it just right, and that was Battlestar Galactica.
1: right Oh. Okay. Talk to me. Talk to me.
0: Well, the original series from the 70s was done in response, essentially, to Star Wars, right? Uh, Star Wars was a big hit, and I think it was NBC wanted a, a kind of TV rip-off of Star Wars, okay? So, special effects. And they, and they did use... Like some of the Star Wars special effects people on there, you know. So, it, and it was a, it wasn't a cheap show, um, and but it was obviously by modern standards a bit clunky and, and, and so on. And what they did was they they took the central, it was that thing like I mentioned earlier on. There's something at the core of it worth exploring sure, sure. further. And they took that central concept of these lost, displaced. Um, uh, tribes of, of of people and and these machines that they created eventually turning against them and trying to find a new home and all that kind of thing and turned into this brilliantly written and performed kind of uh, political drama almost in space where you had the the kind of the the president um, and, and her kind of trying to do all the like the political aspects and that that kind of West Wingy House of Cards kind of side of things, and you had this, you know, it was a military fleet, so it was all kind of the the admirals in charge and the the, the military side of things. And I just thought it, it just worked. The, the world building was fantastic, and the storyline generally kept going, and it, it more or less stuck with the landing, you know. Um, it's nice. It's nice to hear that t- there
1: are examples of well loved franchises giving a toss. Now, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't know it, if it was... Battlestar was done by teams or people involved with the original, but I have found if people that were involved or have a real strong connection to the original source material, for want of a better expression, mm. it does better. You know, the Halloween, the new, the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. It it's going to hit better think... because there's that emotional connection. That if they bugger it up, that's the yeah. legacy completely buried, coffined, bang, done.
0: I guess then you've got this other kind of, of situation where studios will keep trying to to keep franchises going or reboot them so for you know either successfully or otherwise so a recent example from the last couple of years uh, is the crow um, remake or reboot which the you know the rights holders have been trying to to get off the ground for quite some time. Um, most recently, that was with Corinne Hardy as the director and and Jason Momoa as the lead character, and they were very very close to to beginning filming. I think they were you know a couple of months, if not if not just a few weeks away. Um, and in fact, just just recently, some test footage has been released of Jason Momoa in the makeup and, and and so on that that was done during pre-production, and he look looks fantastic. He actually really does look the part. But that kind of fell apart at the last minute because of of the old creative differences between <laughs> um, on 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 from Corin Hardy and Momoa's side, right, uh, versus the studio. Um, oh but, right, okay. But studios do seem determined to try and keep some of these properties going, just kind of purely to keep hold of the rights. If you look at stuff like the Hellraiser series, and you know that that changed hands a couple of times before it eventually ended up at, at Dimension, who were um, uh, um, a Miramax uh, sub label for, for right. horror movies at Miramax. And and they kept the series going, and and were kind of picking scripts that they had in their vaults, so to speak, that had nothing whatsoever to do with Hellraiser. They weren't Hellraiser scripts, but they they'd pick a, some murder thriller scripts and shoot. just haul, throw pinhead, pinhead into it and, and the Cenobites
1: yeah, into it, just right. so they could
0: make a film every couple of years and hang on to the rights, because you know it, they could spend a million churn out a cheap film, make a profit on direct-to-video, and then in another couple of years do the same thing again.
1: Because haven't they just announced a, t- uh, a Hellraiser TV show?
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know whether that's... Well, because obviously Miramax themselves were kind of sold off and various rights would were distributed off to various other companies after the whole Weinstein um, scandal. Um, so whether that's still with dimension stroke miramax or whether it's now through someone else there's there's a there's a film being made and an actual reboot this time which apparently clive barker is is quite heavily involved
1: in well that would be okay because that comes back to our point earlier about if the original creatives are going to be invested in it then they don't want to balls
0: it up oh absolutely and, and hopefully the filmmakers themselves if if they've you know this clive parker's looking over his, their shoulder you know they'll 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 do their very best so yeah that there is also as you say a, a Hellraiser tv show as well i think i don't think the two are related in, in any way i think they're completely separate creative teams stories and, and so on but uh david gordon green is doing the new halloween films He's directing the pilot and a few of the other episodes.
1: And isn't he also doing the Exorcist?
0: He is. So he's again, The Exorcist trilogy. Let's yeah.
1: just yeah, it's just adding to the list of reboots and sequels. But again, mm. you know, lightning can strike several times in the same place. And he's he's yeah. had a very successful reboot career. I want to call it with Halloween and whatnot. So mm-hmm. as long as he does it again for the other two fantastic franchises, then.
0: Yeah, no, in fact, looking at some details on the Hellraiser TV show, the writers on that are Mark Verheiden, who was involved in the Battlestar Galactica reboot. as topical. As well as Daredevil. And Fantastic. also Michael Doherty, who worked on uh, X-Men um, and uh, Godzilla king of the monsters
1: uh, any particular x men there because that could have changed the comment i was going to make
0: oh x men united which i think is x men 2 is it, it is x men 2 okay cuz yeah. if you
1: said dark phoenix i was going to say well you can't <laughs> have all good people involved in a project can you
0: you can't but you've got a good creative team there yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know um, hopefully you, doing a good job
1: yeah i <laughs> tell you a studio that um bugs me with this kind of reboot to keep hold of it mm, is mm. disney Oh, yeah, and I'm obviously like most people who are semi into films are big fans of Disney, um of course, the Disney fandom again, we didn't really talk about it in that episode, but uh, can company the most toxic wasteland of people ever mm, mm. but Disney have a you know they've got films dating back well nearly a hundred years, yeah, um, yeah. and they're all all their Disney classics are starting to get remade as live action, yep. And I've seen some of them. Some of them I've decided not to, just because I don't like the animated version. But I gave Aladdin a go through the month. Oh, well. I I enjoyed it. It was good. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, well. It, and it amazes me it's Guy Ritchie. But, you know, that is a proper live-action
0: film. But then, yeah, that, that seems a really odd fit. Doesn't it? And, and the fact that. he did
1: Sherlock Holmes. Anyway, this, I'm going off, Shad- off, off Shadows. Oh, that's the sequel. <laughs> off Tangent. But, like... You look at The Lion King, the remake of The Lion King, live action of yeah. The Lion King, it's not, it's animated. It's still animated, it's the That's same That's true,
0: character. that is true, that is true. It
1: still bugs me, but Disney have a habit of doing that, so nobody, you know, can you imagine Universal picking up Snow White or something silly like that? Yeah. It, it would never, never, ever happen, but... No. There's a point to why they'd remake them, and they are remaking them as live actions.
0: Yeah, yeah. No one asked for it. No... No, but they've got this huge catalog of titles, um, and and yeah, they they've got a built-in audience. I think that that's some of the things here with with the reboots and, and remakes and things. I think I think ultimately, and again, it ties into this nostalgia, doesn't it? Ultimately, studios know that there's a built-in audience that a, a title. A film title has a built in audience who will remember the original, who grew up with the original, and if we if they if we come back and say, Okay, you know, we're rebooting Ghostbusters, Hellraiser, Superman, whatever it might be, you know, as much as a certain area of of fandom or, or whatever may kind of throw a hissy fit or boycott it or complain, most of the general public who aren't emotionally invested in things will go, okay, there's a new Superman film or there's a new whatever film, there's a new Disney film. Let's go see it. And the studios know that. And ultimately they're they're in it to make money, aren't they? They're 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 there to make a profit. And they are they're profiting from the nostalgia <laughs> of of those of that kind of built in cultural history of those yeah, films, yeah. the kind of half the marketing's done for them. It's like, if they turn around and say, you know, like they did, we're making a quote-unquote live-action Lion King. That's it. Oh, Lion King. Brilliant. Oh, okay. I yeah, yeah, I grew up with that. Exactly. And it's like half, half the job's done.
1: I tell you <laughs> In- one sort of uh, reboot, remake, if you like, that is going to be coming in soon, and again, it's through Disney, but Marvel Because yeah. obviously a studio's rights reverts back or gets bought out. Yeah, and you know, Marvel Studios still only exists because a lot of its rights were sold off to other studios and kept the Marvel comic sort of thing afloat. Yes, oh uh, you no, know, I'm not wrong in saying that. Fact check no, me. No, um, but you know, Marvel Studios, the part of Disney now owns Fox. Yep. therefore owns X-Men, Fantastic yep. Four, all yep. that sort of goodness. And, you know, Fantastic mm-hmm. Four's coming back. And mutants are going to come back, let's face it. They are. Of course they are. Yeah. But, you know, is it a reboot? Is it? Uh, well, yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? But it's, again, to just enrich that world that the Marvel Studios have built over the last ten years. Mm. It's not a remake mm. as such, because they're not going to make the same film. Everyone's going to have the no. same origin story. Of course they will. It's in the comics. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, you know, I mean, interestingly, if you look at... Just to go back to what I was talking about f- uh, just a few minutes ago, where sometimes these films are made purely to keep hold of the rights, if you look at the fantastic, the history of the Fantastic Four films, there is, of course, the infamous, rarely seen Roger Corman version that was filmed, uh, completed but by all accounts was never intended to be released. It was made purely so that Constantine Film, who owned the rights, could keep hold of the rights because the rights were about to lapse. And if they didn't get a film made quickly, they would lose the rights. So they went to Roger Corman, low-budget filmmaker extraordinaire, and basically basically went into a co-production with him to get the film made so they could hold on to the rights while they looked for a bigger deal with a bigger studio, which then was obviously eventually Fox. The the only stipulation was the film had to be made. There was nothing about it ever being released.
1: That's an interesting point. I love a I love a loophole.
0: Yeah, so there's there's an example of of literally a film being made purely to hang on to the rights so that a bigger budget film and more profit could be made later on. And it worked. Here's it one, has, though. Go on. So,
1: this might just me being a bit
0: naive. Mm.
1: But, for example, let's say, say Culture Trumpet Studios owned um, the Fantastic Four films, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, the Fantastic Four rights for film. Yeah. And uh, it was about to run out, say, tomorrow. Yeah. Could I travel 200 miles to you and us go... Hello, I'm Reed Richards, and I'm The Thing. We've made a film in two minutes. Like, what, what counts constitutes as the film? That's something, it's probably not for now, but it's just something I'm thinking of.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, what constituted for the Fantastic Four that, that Corman made was something like, I think it was a million-dollar budget. Um, I'd have done it some, for free. Well, yeah, some pretty ropey special effects. Um, actors who had no idea that the film they were appearing in was never going to get released and were rightly kind of upset after the fact about that. Yeah, that would annoy a lot of people, you, I see. You know, I mean, and, I mean, it was... I, I think in, t- in terms of Corman productions, it was, it was a pretty adventurous, you know, quote-unquote, big-budget deal. Uh, and obviously, you can understand why Corman went for it, because he's getting to make a marvel superhero movie so you can understand why why they did it but i would imagine that you know any contract would would have certain stipulations you know it has to be feature length it has to you know be, be produced by this date etc etc but as i say yeah the film was produced no, no one ever said it had to be released anyway. Although you, you can kind of get it on kind of bootleg, you know, if, if you kind of know where to, to, to find such things. There's an interesting f- documentary, I think it was on Amazon Prime, and I think it was called Doomed. And it's a feature-length documentary about the whole making of that version of the film. And, and what happened? I will, if if it's still there, I will stick a link in the uh, description of of the ah, episode.
1: Did you know that Roger Corman uh, directed the Little Shop of Horrors?
0: He did indeed. Great movie. Um, and that was made because he'd finished filming the previous film ahead of schedule. They had the sets already built, and so. He wanted to come up with something very quickly that they could film in a few days before the sets had to be taken down.
1: I feel like a right knob now. It's not The Little Shop of Horrors that is the awesome film. It's a, it's a different one.
0: Oh, or oh, the original, yeah. Yeah, not yeah, not, 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 not the Hollywood one. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, ah, no. Christ. But but that shows you how effective Corman is, in that he would reuse sets. Um, no, I'd say it's, it's it shows know.
1: how effective and how stupid the public are, because if I fell for it then looking at the website... <laughs> Imagine that on a on a vast scale.
0: Well, potentially, yeah. Potential.
1: Uh, Christ. Nostalgia ain't what it used to be. No, that's it's wrong. Not, is no, it? yes, maybe. I don't know. Do we love it? Do we not? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Should they remake
0: films? I, personally, I mean, yeah. Personally, I don't have an issue with remakes and reboots. In the I, I don't on a, a lot on of, a whole. You know. you know, I think. Look, if I think, you know, if if you've got something new to say around the same subject, by all means, have a go and say it. If the original film was was rubbish and you think you can do a better job, by all means, have a go. If the originals are classic and, and you want to kind of keep that going, then, you know, ultimately, the originals are not going anywhere, right? Just because someone makes a new Ghostbusters film... It's, it's not, not going like to take they've... away that the original was, you know. It's not yeah, gonna no, no the gonna, original. no one's going to come into your house and, and and steal your copies of the first films. Do well, you I know? don't know. <laughs> so I think I think people, I understand why people get a bit funny about remakes and so on, but it's not doing same... any harm, really, is it? No, but... not really. If you're not interested, don't watch it. Watch the originals. Be happy. R- be happy that's fine exactly exactly
1: well that about wraps this episode episode 5 episode 6 episode 6 that I'm was a, smooth I was I thought I, I mean I think that was flawless to be quite that honest that was great any feedback we're going to keep plugging this bit um, we have an email there is uh, Twitter um, just shout at us if you don't like it and we'll bin it but yeah Still going. It's all good. Got good ideas coming up for some future episodes. So something that we we were talking about today, uh, maybe turned a bit more towards music for an episode. That's kind of my background. Um, so that could be quite but, fun. So yeah,
0: a bit more, bit more culture. After all, uh, we have kind of focused mainly on films. <laughs> I'm sick <of> films. <laughs> so let's yeah. I think we'll, we'll 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 start to widen out a little bit. Who are misses? I didn't even think.
1: But you know, there's a good, some good movies coming out soon, so maybe we'll, we could spend a whole episode just dissecting uh, Far From Home. No, what's it called? Dissecting No Way Home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe in January there'll be an episode: Why was the Matrix rebooted?
0: You never Did know. I follow up. A, a, a sequel episode. How meta is that? Oh Christ, alive.
1: <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, next time.
0: Yeah. See you later.
1: Bye. Bye.